Turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 9. The book of Judges chapter 9. And as you're turning there, a husband and a wife were talking. The husband said to the wife, Why do you cry and sniffle at a movie over the imaginary woes of people you've never met? The wife, quiet for a few seconds, looked at the husband. She said, For the same reason that you yell and scream when a man you've never met misses catching the ball in the outfield. Amen? That's marriage, isn't it? This morning I want to talk about a nation falling away. It doesn't take long for us to see that America is a nation in sharp decline. We are falling away from God at an alarming rate. This falling away, this decline, stems from a complete lack of leadership. Let's look at the first parable recorded in God's word this morning to, to kind of set our text for what we're looking at today. Judges chapter 9, this is the first parable God gives us in his word. Skip down to verse 8. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men? And go to uh, sway over trees. Then the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go to sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble or the briar, You come and reign over us. And the briar said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble, out of the briars, and devour the cedars of Lebanon. One thing that we need to understand here is that this is a parable about a corrupt politician and a nation that was falling away, that was in steep decline, falling away from God. Over the years, uh, as you study the Bible, and I've studied the Bible, and, and a truth that I see over and over, and not just in the Bible, but something that we can perceive with our own eyes, something that we see with our own eyes, is that we get what we deserve as a nation. Wicked rulers are the result of wicked people. Amen? That's a truth we, we need to understand, that wicked rulers are the result of wicked people. And in our rich history as a nation, there's no doubt we have been blessed with incredible statesmen like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, great statesmen, but we've also had our share of those parasitic politicians, especially lately. Now, I want you to note that there is a distinct difference between a statesman and a politician. A statesman, they work hard day after day for the next generation. 
A politician, the only thing they work for is the next re-election. Amen? That is the difference between a statesman and a politician. That statesman is worried about the next generation. They're worried about their great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. They're worried about the nation that they will have when they grow up. Politician is just concerned about being re-elected and keeping their office. So I want us to consider this parable. And I want to take some time to outline the steps of a nation that is in decline. Outline the steps of a nation that is falling away. The first step that we need to see is that of apostasy. Go back one chapter, staying in the book of Judges. We're in Judges 9. Go back to Judges chapter 8. Skip down to verse 33. You want to see a name that's popular. Um, I'm sure you've heard of him before. So it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Berith their God. So the first thing that we see, that first step is that of apostasy. Amen? Apostasy. We see this blatant apostasy of an unthankful people. You see what it says here? Gideon was a great leader in the nation of Israel, a very godly and faithful man of God. He was a great leader in Israel. What does it say? As soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel again played the harlot with Baals. Blatant apostasy of unthankful people. Baals are simply idols. They're false gods. And Baal Barith, the, the specific false god that they speak of here, was a god of fertility. God of fertility. They turned away from God, and they turned to immorality. And that's what apostasy is. It is a choice. It's a blatant turning away from God and turning to immorality, turning to sin. And that's exactly what we see here with the nation of Israel. The sad part was, the sad fact in, as, we reading, as we're reading this piece of scripture, is that they did this not only after, you know, right after uh, Gideon passed away, but right after they were led into a great victory at the hands of God. Look at verse 34. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubal, which is also Gideon, in accordance with the good that he had done for Israel. Apostasy of an unthankful people. They quickly forgot what God had done for them, and they turned their backs upon him we've done the same thing as a nation amen you know it's easy for us to sit and read through the old testament and and look at all the mistakes that israel made and point a finger what we really need to do is look in the mirror as a nation amen we've done the same thing you know think back to to just after 9 11 september 11 2001 not long after that tragedy what happened to our churches they were full. Amen? Our church pews were full. 
as people sought after God. People were looking for safety. People were looking for answers. People were looking for security in a very, very vulnerable time. Problem was, it was very, very short-lived as the majority quickly turned their backs upon God, just like we're reading here. Amen? Quickly turned their backs upon God. And now we're filled with, as a nation with more immorality than ever before. We have played the harlot just as Israel did right after Gideon's leadership. We've turned away from God and have turned to every other ungodly avenue that's available on the face of this planet. Amen. Apostasy. We see it right in front of our faces. Now, the book of Judges has a, a theme pretty much throughout the entire book. And we see that in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Now, listen to this. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is the theme of the book of Judges. There was no leadership in Israel. There was no godly king upon that throne. So what happened? All the people did what was right in their own eyes. There was no standard of morality. No standard of truth. No one to, to lead by example. Lead by godly example. And what happened? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You know, as I said again, the difference between statesmen and politicians. We have politicians today galore. And they always talk about values, don't they? Every time they're running for re-election, they talk about values, values, values. The question is, whose values? Amen? That's the question that we have to ask. Politicians, they make decisions based on polls instead of on, you know, godly convictions, instead of on godly standards, instead of on truth. This is not leadership. Amen? They no longer seek truth. They no longer seek morality. The only thing they seek is a poll that says whether or not they're going to be reelected. Will this decision get me reelected? If not, I'll just flip-flop, go the other way. They have no personal godly convictions. All they have is, is it popular in the polls? Amen. The sad fact is that this is also true in too many churches today, in religion today. And that's because too many churches are following religion. Amen? They're not following Christianity. They're following religion. Religion is man-made and it's man-centered. Christianity is a relationship and it is Christ-centered. We have too many churches that are just religious and following a religion. And what happens? It misleads a generation. Too many people today 
They choose that, that church, that religion that promotes health, wealth, and happiness. Amen? Friend, we need to pursue joy and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Happiness is based on circumstances. The moment things go wrong, what happens to happiness? It goes right out the window. But let me tell you something. The peace and joy of Jesus Christ will remain no matter what you're going through. Amen? We've turned from a personal relationship with God to leaning on our personal feelings. Theology has been replaced with psychology, and psychology has been replaced with meology. Amen? It's all about me, and that's all it's about. We've gone from godly convictions straight to personal opinions. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Personal opinion. This false ideology has permeated itself even into our government. Our government has become a far cry from its inception. It has fallen from that framework, that foundation that was laid by our godly founding fathers. Amen? A foundation formed from the truths. Right here. Amen? A framework that came right from the very word of God. A constitution based on godly standards and godly precepts. In 1965, our court system ruled that it was unconstitutional for children to pray out loud in schools. Look what's happened to our schools since then. Students and teachers are forbidden to openly acknowledge their belief in a holy God, especially their belief in Jesus Christ. They cannot wear a pin, anything that has the name of Jesus on it in our public schools. Can't do it. Graduation ceremonies can no longer open or close with prayer to holy God. There's actually a school district in Alaska that banned, outright banned, the word Christmas. You could, students couldn't write it or speak it because it had Christ in it. We're in a desperate need of a revival in our nation. Woke liberals are indoctrinating our children in our school systems. They are stealing our freedoms from right in front of us. Freedom of religion. That is a God-given right. It's not a privilege. It is a right. And that's being stolen right from underneath of us. Our Constitution's First Amendment states that the government cannot prohibit the free exercise of religion thereof. Prayer, celebrating Christmas, 
acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. These are all examples of a free expression of religion. But they're banned. They're outlawed in our government, in government-run buildings, our public school systems. Far cry from what our schools and our universities were originally built for. Amen? Our universities, they were built for one purpose, to teach students to read and understand this book. Amen? That was the purpose of our higher education, of our universities in the United States. If that's not bad enough, when our kids come home from school after being indoctrinated for eight hours, what do they do? Go on their phones or go on their laptops, on their computers, turn on the television, but now the television and social media, they're seducing our children. How? First, they normalized immorality or sinful behavior. We see adultery. We see sex outside of marriage as normal. Every sitcom today has a homosexual couple on it as normal. First thing they do is they normalize immorality and normalize sinful behavior. Once sin is normalized, then it becomes desensitized. We see it so much. Sin is so prevalent. What happens? No longer phases us. What used, to, what used to shock us now amuses us. Once it's desensitized, it then becomes legitimized. Right? Normalized, we get desensitized by it, then it becomes legitimized. Once there's no more outrage from Christians, once there's no more, you know, uh, uh, Defending it from Christians, calling sin a sin, then it becomes legalized. Sexual perversion has gone from a sin, then it was called a sickness, and now it's just accepted. Socially accepted. Woke liberals have legitimized the things that God calls sin. Amen? When sin is legitimized, what's left? Christianity then becomes stigmatized. Stigmatized. Anything godly, anything good, anything decent is stigmatized. If you're a virgin today, you're mocked and you're laughed at in schools. If you go to church, you're a prude. We see these decisions come down from the Supreme Court. And who's the first target? The church house and Christians. It's Christians' fault. It's the church's fault. Why? 
because we normalized it, we desensitized it, we legitimized it, and now Christians are being stigmatized because of it. Biblical principles, they're old-fashioned. They're out of touch. Simply standing here today, preaching the Word of God. Do you know what I'm labeled as? As a, as a radical right-wing religious nut. Amen? I might be a nut, but I'm screwed on to the right bolt. Amen? Simply for declaring right and wrong. Amen? We need to open our eyes. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. When we can no longer differentiate a male from a female, when God clearly does in his word, we have a major problem in our nation. Amen. When we have leaders, those on the Supreme Court, who cannot say this is a male or this is a female because they're not a biologist. Are you kidding me? We have a major problem in our nation. We have become an apostate, unthankful people. Step one. What's the second step? Second step is arrogance. Arrogance. And this arrogance starts where? At the top. Those in leadership positions. In this parable, as we look here in, in Judges, Abimelech, he is that arrogant, ungodly leader. Let's go back to Judges 9. Go back up to verse 1. Let's get a little background of, of this parable. Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubal, Gideon, went to Shechem, to his mother's brothers, and he spoke with them. And with all the family of the house of his uh, mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Gideon reign over you, or that one reign over you? And remember, I am your own flesh and bones. Gideon had 70 children, 70 sons. Abimelech was one of them. And he has this, as we read here, he has this unholy desire to lead his nation. So what's he decide to do? Well, his first step we see here is this, he decides to, to build a coalition, to build some support. He declares, look, I'm one of you. I'm just like you. It's a good thing we don't hear that from politicians today, do we? Isn't that their favorite word? I'm just like you. I'm one of you. 
Look at verse 3. And his mother's brother spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said, he is our brother. He's one of us. Verse 4. So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of baal Barith, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. Abimelech now decides to accept some bribe money, and he goes out and he buys some constituents. He buys some followers. And these followers are just like him. Ungodly and just as evil as he is. And today's politicians, they do the same exact thing. They spend millions and millions of their own money. Now, I want you to think about this logic. A lot of our politicians today are very wealthy businessmen. Businessmen understand return on investment, don't they? Why would a businessman spend millions and millions of his own money to take a position that pays maybe $200,000 a year? There has to be something else behind the scenes, amen? Why does that happen? They spend millions and millions of dollars to buy that office, that office of influence. Look at verse 5. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Gideon, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Gideon, was left because he hid himself. Abimelech's hands were just full of blood. Habakkuk 2.12 Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Hands just full of absolute bloodshed. Abimelech, what does he do? He builds that coalition. Then he takes bribe money and he buys a, uh, uh, his constituents. And then he goes out and he murders his competition. Verse 6, and all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. Now, some of you that, that are familiar with the Old Testament, that read the Old Testament on a regular basis, you're going to see that that term, the terebinth tree in Shechem, sounds familiar. What we see here is that Abimelech, he has himself inaugurated at the most religious spot in all of Shechem. Most scholars believe that this very spot, beneath the terebinth tree at that pillar in Shechem, was the very spot that God made a covenant with Abraham. 
God made a covenant with Abraham in Shechem right beside the terebinth tree. Abimelech picked this spot on purpose. He wanted to appear religious and godlike. He wanted to appear as a godly leader. But in reality, what did he do? He defiled that very spot. Second step is the arrogance of an ungodly leader. Step three is that of apathy. Apathy. Verse seven. Now when they told Jotham, remember Jotham was the only surviving son of Gideon. When they told him, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim. And he lifted his voice and he cried out. And he said to them, listen to me, men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. How great would it to be to have a man like that in the United States once again? Amen. A man who would stand on top of the highest point and declare the word of God. Men willing to stand in the gap for Christ's sake in this nation. Jotham, Gideon's youngest son, he declares to the nation, he says, listen. Listen up. Listen to God if you want God to listen to you. Amen. Listen to what I have to say from God if you want God to listen to you. And then he tells them this parable, this parable of the trees. What do they do? In this parable, they go and they ask the olive tree to reign over them. But the olive tree was busy. It was, it was making needed oil. Then they go to the fig tree, and they say, fig tree, reign over us. But the fig tree was busy making fruit. Then they go ask the vine, and the vine is busy making needed wine for the people. What's the common theme with those first three? All of them, all of these trees... We're busy doing something good, something needed. So finally, they go and ask the bramble or the briar to reign over them. What does the briar reply? Absolutely, I'll be glad to. The briar says, I'll be glad to. In fact, just come on over. Come and rest in the shelter of my shade. I want you to think about that. How much shade does a briar offer? None. Very little. Instead, it cuts, and it tears, and it rips, and it chokes out. It only harms, and it spreads like crazy, doesn't it? So what does all this mean? The olive, the fig... And the vine. These trees, they represent the people. They are good. They're productive citizens of that nation. However, they were full of apathy. They didn't care enough to get involved. 
They refused their responsibility to serve. And what was the result? The wicked briar stepped up to the plate to rule over them. Apathetic people. Evil only needs good people to do nothing in order to triumph. Amen? This is what we have to understand as a nation. Evil only needs good people to do nothing. To be apathetic in order to be victorious and triumph. This is what we've seen over the last few generations. Christians and and good people just being apathetic. And allowing those ungodly people to step into positions of rule and authority. And just accept what comes down. So the question is, what are we doing to bring about a revival? Are we willing to stand in that gap like Jotham? We need to shine that light of Christ now more than ever before. We need to take that light. We need to go out into the darkness of our community and take back our nation one city at a time. Amen. We need to be a Jotham. 